be seated. What a joy to have children come up here and memorize scriptures and, and realize that that's what the enemy is after. That's what the enemy wants to stop. Today I have a very rare opportunity to stand before you and to speak to you all about what I have a strong conviction about. I've always had a strong conviction about raising children right and having a godly and a good marriage. And we've tried, it's almost 25 years for us now to, to do that. And when this uh, month came up and it's a month, uh, family month, I wanted to share with you, those that have children, and even if you don't have your own children, I believe some of you have uh, nieces and nephews and godchildren and grandchildren. Every parent you see sometimes in the world, they tell you there is no manual on how to raise children. But that's not true. God has given us a manual in his word that if we follow, we can raise our children right. The question we must ask ourselves, and the, and the title of the message was just simply passing on a godly heritage to your children. The question is, what is Satan really after? What is he really after? Is he after the marriage? Is he after the husband or the wife to cause conflict in the home? Think about it. What is Satan really after? Satan is against impartation. Satan is against you, the dad, you, the mom, the aunt, the uncle, the godfather, the godmother. He's so much against you passing on what you know to the next generation that he will do whatever it is in his power to stop you first. Because if he can stop you, he will stop that process of impartation, he will stop your child from fulfilling what God has called him on her or her to fulfill, he will stop the process, and he will win over God. That's the basic thing. That's what Satan is after. And as believers, as parents, as Christians, we must realize that the very first, once you have a child, the very first assignment you have is to that child. And to make sure God uses your child, and not only that, that your child makes it to heaven. Every parent must be committed. That's a commitment you must make once you hold that child in your arms. That you will not make heaven and look through that great divide and see the child you brought into this world in hell. That's a commitment every parent must make. Now, I said he's trying to stop the impartation. Now, Satan can put up with us as long as we live. Those of us that know our faith, those of us that know what we believe and are walking the walk, he can put up with us for as long as we don't pass what we have to our children to carry it on and on and on. The children in your home, that child in your house, you just don't know what blessing that child is. You don't know what you have in your home. We have decided at this Ark Fellowship, you see these little kids came out here this morning, they came out and they memorized scriptures. We have determined the children of the Ark Fellowship, we know God. The children in this church, we know scriptures. 
The children in this church, we have godly examples. We don't mind what the world is doing out there. It's a commitment we have made to stand in the gap and tell God you can count on us to make sure every child who comes through these walls is taught the gospel, is taught the word, and is taught how to live for God. The saddest thing is, you see the, the, the television, the, the, everything out there, the, the government, everything seems like it's against the family. It's against the children. And the saddest thing is, those that God has given primary assignment for these children, it seems like the enemy is using them too to attack their own children. Think about it. This is not the first time that the enemy has ever been after children. He might be using different tricks this time. He was after Moses. He was after Jesus. And he's using different tricks now, doing the very same thing, making sure the generation after us does not have the word and live the faith that we have today. Amen? I believe that what God is doing now And we've heard about it. God is beginning to raise children. At young ages, he's speaking to them. They are beginning to act so much wiser than their ages. They are knowing scriptures. They are saying things that their parents are amazed at. If you see that in your children, you need to know something. It's anointing of God. The anointing of God is on that child. Because there's going to be an explosion of the anointing of God. And it's going to be visiting our children, irrespective of what parents do. He's going to come in their bedrooms like Samuel and he's going to talk to them. And he's going to make them start to behave in ways that will amaze you. You see a kid who is three or four years old acting so much older. They will have so much wisdom that it will amaze you. When you notice, see that child, know that the hand of God is on that child. And if any of you have children like that in your home, you need to nurture that. Because God will not be denied. God is still going to raise Samuels in this generation, amen? And we're believing God for that. We're believing God for that. I'm going to go to a scripture right now uh, in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Before I go into that scripture and kind of break it down, I want to tell that mother here or that father here, Whose child is not living right, right now? Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We believe so much that the anointing that's coming, it will so hit them, they're going to give up, raise their hands and say, God, arrest me, Lord. Arrest me. Arrest me and take the keys and throw it away. We're believing that for every parent here who has a child who is straying away, who is not worshiping the Lord, you keep doing what you know to do. Pray for that child. Don't give up. We give up too easily. We really do. Don't ever give up. Persistence. And when I come to the six words on how to raise your children, right, you will see one of them is persistence. You have to do it over and over and over and over. When you stop and you don't know what else to do, you start all over again. Praying for those lost children. Just believing that one day they will make you and God proud. Amen? And God will do it. Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Most of us think this is a nursery rhyme, but this scripture is so packed with things that we as parents, or we that have children, that we need to impart things into. It's, it's so full of stuff here. 
The whole process is that train, that train of a child. We always think, oh, when you have a child, you know, when you train them up in the way they should go, they'll go away from the scripture, they'll go away from faith and kind of come back later. No, that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying if you train your child up right, the way God wants it to be done, when that child grows up, he's going to continue in the way in which he was trained. Amen? Now, the word train means... So give right information. And then it involves making them do what you've given them, the information you've given them. And it also involves setting up options and guiding them through those options. I'm going to repeat that because that's very key. When you're training a child, it means you have to have the right information. You as a parent must have the right information. If you don't have the right information, you cannot train right. Right? Because whatever you're going to try to train that child is going to be wrong. So it's up to you. Everything at the end of the day is really up to the parent. If you see a child who is not what you want, you have to go take a look at the mirror first. I'm sorry. You really have to. You have to take a look at the mirror first. Because whatever... See, children may not listen to you, but children will do what you do. Children may not, they will imitate you and do everything you do. That's why the little boy who sees his father as a drunk, beating up his mother, swears at nine or ten. He will never do that. But he's 25 years old. What is he doing? Doing exactly the same thing. He's drinking and beating up his own wife. So training involves getting the right information. Getting the information from the scripture on how to train your children. And then not only do you get the right information, you make them do it. How many of you have had a trainer here? You've been in the gym or some kind of sport and you had a trainer. It's good to see you. I didn't know you were here. If you've had a trainer, you don't like your trainer. The two times I've had it, I only only survived a little while. I'm like, I'm not going to go get punished. I stayed at home. Because your trainer knows where he would, when you go in there, he evaluates you. And he says, okay, you're going to lose so many weight and so many pounds, and this is what we're going to do. And he drills you. He makes you do things that you never thought you could do. And you go away very sore, and you're like, I'm not going to go back. See, as parents, when we have the right information, we should make our children do it. And that's where the problem is. I originally, I'm, not, I'm an American now, thank God. But where I grew up, we, the Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction drives that foolishness far away. Not just away, far away from that child. But we live in a culture... That people believe that, I'm not saying abuse your children. Please hear me. I'm not saying that. Abuse is wrong. And if you abuse your child, I'll call CPS for you. But when you have a child who is born, like, from the very beginning has foolishness in his or her heart, you have to do what the scriptures say. You have to discipline your child. Because if you don't discipline him when he's young, you can't do it when he's 16 or 17, when he's bigger than you. That's a fight. You can't do it at that age. 
Because then they'll have to call a referee and he may kill you at that time. So when he's little, that's when you need to start disciplining him. And we're going to come to the six things that if you do, I promise you. People have asked us, what did you do? How were you able to raise pastor's kids and they're all doing well? I'll let you know today what we did. By the grace of God, we had to, this was something that has taken me weeks. Because sometimes we're like, what did we really do? And then we talk and talk. We say, oh, yeah, this is what we did. And I want to tell you, if you follow these things, we can raise our children right. Amen? So it involves training and uh, giving the right information, making them do it, and then you have to set up options for them. It's never a good thing to say, okay, it's my way or the highway. There are always options. If I cannot lift weights very well because maybe my upper strength is not as strong, my trainer is going to say, okay, maybe you want to start with the one pound or two pound weights. But if you're a parent who is very authoritarian and you just push it down their throat, they're not going to listen to you. That's not how to train a child. You always have to give your children options, godly options, and guide them. It says you guide them through those options. That's what this scripture is telling us to do. It says if you train up that child, if you give them the right information, if you make them do what you're giving them, that's the right information. If you help them with options and you guide them through those options, you're going to train them up in the way that he should go. And it says when he gets old, he will not depart from that. He will stay in the way that you've trained him. Amen? Now, have you all ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Abraham was the one that God caught a covenant with? Because some things you read in the Bible and you're wondering, why Abraham? Why did he wait all the way to Abraham before he caught a covenant with him? And not just a covenant, it was a blood covenant and it was an everlasting covenant. And that covenant, we are still enjoying the benefits of it to this day. That covenant is the line through which Jesus came. Why Abraham? Let's go to Genesis 18, 17 through 19, and I'll show you why. Why God waited. God cut covenants with other people. He cut a covenant with Abel. That's a dead covenant. He cut a covenant with Noah. He cut a covenant with Job. All those covenants are dead. But today, we are still enjoying the benefits of the blood covenant, the everlasting covenant he caught with Abraham. Amen? In Genesis 18, 17, and 19, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? He says in verse 19, for I know him. I'm going to stop there for a minute. God said of a man, I know him. Can God say that of you? Can God, I'm not saying about he knows about you. Can God, say he know, can God confidently say, I know you? Can he say that? He says, I know Abraham. And I know that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. God was going to fulfill the promises of the covenant if Abraham raised his children right. So are there promises that God has given to you as a parent? 
that is contingent on you raising your children right? Are there things in your life today that you don't have, but you know God has promised you, and it's not coming to pass just because you've not done your job as a parent? Those are some of the questions we have to ask ourselves, because if we have to do this, we have to do it right. We really have to do it right. God doesn't play with his children. When he's young children, and he's giving you an assignment, it's an assignment you have. That's your number one assignment. Your ministry, your job, everything else, those are not your primary assignment. That child God gave you, God wants you to raise that child. When that child is old enough, impart what is inside of you. All the knowledge you have, all the revelation you have. Who is going to get that if you don't give it to your children? And they live with you in the house. They were with you from the very time they were born. They are the ones to have your importation. God is expecting it of us. And you can see Abraham. You can see what he did. God, when he made that covenant with Abraham, what did Abraham do? When Isaac came along before he died, he became the God of Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac took off right where the father stopped. And he became Isaac from Isaac to Jacob. From Jacob to the twelve sons, that's where Israel came through. To, to, to Joseph, all the way to Moses, to David, all the way down to Jesus Christ. Why? Because God found a man who was willing to impart and to pass on the godly heritage they had. That was the only reason God picked Abraham. And today we are still under that covenant. We are still enjoying, we are called the children of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. That faith he had, he passed it on to his children. Let me tell you people, this is nothing we must take lightly. Because it's not light in the eyes of God. If we are to leave something behind, this race we are on, we are at the very last leg of it. And God is expecting you and I to pass that baton to the next generation, to our children, to get to the finish race, that uh, finish line. God forbid that we have them, Oral Roberts, all of those people, Kenneth Hagen, we have all of those people before us. What if they didn't give us the faith that they had? Where would we be today? They sold themselves out, they imported into thousands and, and millions of us the faith that they have. And here we are. Oh, is this right? We, we listen too much to television. You know, te- the other day I said television, and it just struck me. They are telling us their vision. And we sit in front of it, day in and day out, and they keep telling you their vision. They keep telling you their vision until you don't even know what your own vision is. A Christian now doesn't know whether homosexuality is right or wrong. Your children are not sure what to do because we've not taught them at home. And so when they grow up and have children, what are they going to teach their children? That's the question here. That's the question here. So how do you hand down your faith to your children? Six words I'm going to give you describing how you're going to do that. The first thing is principles. Principles. As a parent, you must decide what principles you want to live by. Because if you don't even have principles to live by, if everything goes for you, you're not going to have principles to pass to your children. Principles are key on how you raise your children. 
when we started raising our children, there were some things we sat down and we talked about. We talked about how old will our children be before they were allow, we allowed them to date. We talked about things like spanking our children. He did a lot of the spanking. I didn't. I'm too chicken. I will tell you the truth. That He did a lot of the spanking. But when they come to me, and you know how the, the kids are, the one who is not spanking is the friend, right? And the one who comes to you and kind of make you feel like, oh, daddy did this or daddy did that. It might be the other way in some homes. But I told them real quickly, you know why daddy is spanking you? Initially, no, I said, because the Bible says foolishness is bound up in your heart. And dad is trying to dra- drive that foolishness far away from you. <laughs> I remember one time, I think it was, I think it was Omar. He was like six or seven. He came and he was rubbing his little bottom and he was like, Mm-hmm. Dad, I said, Daddy spanked you. Yeah, yeah. Why did Daddy spank you? He's trying to drive the foolishness from my heart. He got it. He got it. So you have to let them. When you discipline your children, give them, the, give them find ways to weave the word into your life. This is a life of faith. It's not just on Sunday. It's a life of faith. Your whole life, it's a li- it should be a life of faith. So everything you do with your children, find those moments, those teaching moments, and weave the word of God into those moments for your children. Amen? So principles. How do they dress? My daughter and I, we had a, it was war, you know that, we, it was a World War Three in my house. Because she wanted to wear the little, you know what, those little stuff. And I was like, not in my house. So every Sunday she will have to come down and show me what she has to wear to church. And I will approve it, or else I will say, no, go back up and change. It went on, and I was persistent. You're not going out of this house wearing that. To this day now, she's very modest in the way she dresses. And I made her realize you cannot be exposing yourself. Some, some things are just made for your husband when you get married. You don't just want every man out there to be looking at your thighs. I said, no, you wait till you get married. If you want to, in the room between you and your husband, you can show everything you want to show, but not until then. No. No. So we thought about that. Another thing we did was respecting people's property and people's space. I told my children, you don't go into somebody's house and go into their refrigerator. That's just not that right. You know, some children do that. They just come into your house and go into your refrigerator to open it. That's so wrong. If, you, if your children are doing that, tell them no. You don't go into people's homes and open up their refrigerator to just get food and start eating. That's their property. That's their space. You ask permission, and they go in there, and they give you what they want you to have. So we had to teach our children that. Another thing we had to teach them was lying. Children are good at lying, right? <laughs> And I won't say which of my children, but one of them <laughs> would never say the truth. I'm like, and we would be saying the truth right now. He never would, you know, admit that he's lying. So we use the scriptures of Revelation, all liars go to hell. It was on the refrigerator door, on the, on the thing, everywhere in the house. It didn't work. So what we did was we went and got a movie called Escape to Hell. Who has watched that movie? <laughs> Escape to Hell. And we took all three of them, we sat them down, and we all watched that movie. That's the last day that child lied to me. When he watched that movie, when he does something, Mom, I'm not, I'm not lying. I, I'm not going to hell. 
you know, so you have to have principles. Principles. Let your children know to rejoice when other people win. They don't have to win all the time. Rejoice when other people are doing well. Because if you do that, God will open the door to bless you. When God blesses people, rejoice with them. So there are a lot of principles. You will have to come up with principles based on your children's character or how God has made them and teach them principles that you want to live with. My children know every Sunday we're in church. Period. We're in church every Sunday. Three weeks ago, my daughter called me on a Sunday. She was in a beach. And I told her, I said, on a Sunday, you are in a beach in San Antonio somewhere. She said, oh, mom, I went to church before I came. She said, her friends all said they were going to go early. And she told them, she said, no, I have to be in church on Sunday morning. She said, I told them, they went ahead of her. She went to church, and after service, she went and met them there. Do you know what that did to me as a mother? To know that she didn't have to go to church. I'm not there to, to, to say, okay, let's go to church. But I put something in her. I put something in there. And I know if I die today, she's going to do that same to her children. I've passed that on to her. So principles is number one. Number two, patterns. 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 Like I said, your children may not listen to you, but your children will imitate you. Children learn more by... Children learn more by watching what they see than listening to what we say to them, okay? If you're a critical person, a critical father, you're always being critical, everything, nothing is ever done right, you know how to do it all the time, you know how to do it right. Guess what? That's a pattern, and that's what your children will learn. If you're a complaining mother, you complain about everything. Nobody's good enough. No church is good enough. You go to this church. No, they're not good. They go to this church. Oh, they're not that. And you keep going back and forth. You know what? It's a pattern. And that's what your children are going to do. Like I said, we can say all we want to say. We can deny all we want to deny. When we see things we don't like in our children, go look in the mirror. It's a pattern in the home they're copying. They are doing exactly what they are seeing. And if you are being honest to yourself, is to go to God and say, God, help me. Help me because I'm teaching these children. And if I die, it's what they are learning from me that they are going to pass on. So pardon, pardon. And please, please, be careful. Be careful and please listen to me. Be careful about what you say about church members, about the church leaders about pastors, be careful about what you say negative about them around your children. You know what? That's the, if you do that, your children will never be in church. You know why? They will think you are a hypocrite. They will think that you backbite because they see you in church in front of those same people you've just backbite and talk bad about at home. In front of them in church, you're smiling, you're laughing. Oh, praise the Lord. And then you go home and you dog them out. We had a lady coming to church here. She doesn't come here anymore. And her two children refused to go into church. And she was, I mean, you'll see her spiritual woman. And she told us, she said, could you all please come and talk to these children for us, a son and a daughter. And we went there. We talked to them. And we called them aside without the mom being there. We said, what, what is the problem? Your mom is really, really, she wants you all in church. And you seem to be good kids. And the boy said, you know what? I will never because I will never go to church because church is full of hypocrites. I said, What? She said, That's what my mom says. She says, Mom comes home every day 
the pastor did this wrong. This person did that. This person is a hypocrite. This person is that. She said, he said, why would I want to go to a church that's full of hypocrites? I had nothing to say. Because she set a pattern for him, and she made him believe that church is not where you go to. Everybody in church is bad. Why would he want to go to a church or go to church when everybody in church is bad? So please, if you want to talk, I mean, we all talk about people. I do it. I talk about you all at home. But I don't do it in front of... I don't do it in front of my children. I go in the room, lock the door, and I, I tell him. <laughs> and then on the, good, on the good side of it too, let your children, parents, let your children see you hugging each other. Let your children see the man, you know, daddy kissing the mommy, holding the mommy from the back. Maybe she's cooking, comes home and just hugs and holds. My kids, when they were young, used to drive them crazy because the boys didn't want daddy to hug me. And the girl definitely didn't want me to touch her daddy. It was like a fight. But what it showed them was we loved each other. We liked to touch and hug and kiss each other. In bed, when we're in bed watching a movie together, when they come, initially they want to stay in the middle. Their dad would tell them, no, that's my wife. You all go to the end of the bed, okay. And when they were younger, Gracie would go on to the side of her daddy. And the two boys would come on my side. Gradually now, the boys go onto the side of their daddy and the girl is on my side. But we've set patterns. We've set patterns. Amen? The next thing, the third thing, is persistence. Persistence. You don't pass your faith on to your child by reading one scripture to him once a week. You don't pass your faith on to your child by doing what you want to do, some of these things we're talking about, by doing it one week and giving up. It's something you keep doing over. It's a commitment you make to your children and to God. You keep doing it over and over and over and over again. A lady in this church not too long ago told me, she said, I just don't like spanking my kid. It's like the more I spank her, the worse she becomes. I said, you be as committed as spanking her as she is committed to disobeying you. She knows that she can wear you out. That's why she's doing that. If she knows, even if you're tired, she does the same thing. You get up and you go after her. She said, that, is, that woman is crazy. I ain't going to do that again. But if she does it, and today you spank her, then tomorrow you let her go away with it, she'll keep doing it. You show the same commitment to her in disciplining her than she's doing in, in being disobedient to you. It's persistence. Everything with your children is not fun. You might be tired. You might just not want to deal with it. Just let them have, just have a field day. But you have to keep it up. Because it's the persistence that gets the message across to them that this is what, this family, this is what we do. I don't care what they do out there, but this is what we do here. My children will, I mean, they will pester me. They want to go spend the night. They don't want, they want to go spend the night. I made up my mind. My children, I think only one of my ch- my graces never spent the night in somebody's house. She's 20 years old now. I've never let that happen. She's never spent the night in somebody's house. The only Omar has never spent the night in somebody's house. Toju is the only one that has spent the night in the uh, Gregory's home. I've never allowed it, and I allow that because I know the kind of family they are. You know, my children don't. And you know what? They'll pester me, especially during the holidays. Oh my God. Mommy, we're having a sleepover. Mommy, you're not going. 
because I don't know. You know, there are some parents I don't know from, from, their, from their school. I just won't let my child go spend the night in a home. I don't know who they are. Uh-uh. Sometimes I tell them, okay, if you want to go, I'll go with you. We'll spend the night. Oh, no, mommy, you can't come. Then we can't go. If I'm not going to be able to go, then no one is going. Persistence. Persistence is the key, okay? If your child knows that he or she can wear you out, they will wear you out. But if you wear them out, they will obey you, okay? Now, the question is, is it too late? We're laughing about some of these things. And I know some parents are here thinking, wow, my kids are grown. Or, it's never too late. It's really never too late. You can start today and make a commitment. Even your grown-up children, you can start partnering things that you were not partnering before. You can be persistent in certain things. Let them know every Sunday when they call at a certain time, oh, dad goes to church every Sunday now. Let that become, you can start doing things now to change some of those things that you think you didn't do right. It's never too late, amen? Then the number four is participation. I have five more minutes, so just bear with me. Participation. See, something happens when a parent goes into their child's life and participates with them. Something happens. You, you open their hearts to receive from you when they see you at their own level. What parents tend to do is they forget what it was when they were 16, when they were 17. And so you have this son or daughter who is having some issues or struggle, and you're just like, you must be strong. You, you, I was never. No, you were. If truth be told, when you were 16, you failed too. When you were 16, you had your own mistakes too. You made your own mistakes. You were not a super, super whatever that you think you may want to make your children believe you are. Go tell them. Listen, when I was 16, I did some things I wasn't proud about. I understand what you're going through. The thing though is I may not have had the word like you have it now. I didn't have parents who could show me scriptures and lead me to that part. You have that now. That's why I'm telling you that. The end of this, this is what's going to happen. This is what the scriptures say. But I understand your struggle. I'm here with you. Give them those options. Pray with them. Cry with your children. If they are hurting, cry with them. If you do things like that, they can trust you. You know what it is? Our children, the, especially the teenagers, they don't trust you because you've always made yourself like you are up here and you've never seen, you're just this, you always have this halo around your head and you're just this perfect daddy, perfect mommy. No. Let them know where you failed. Be vulnerable to your children. And when you do that, they open up to you. They'll come to you when they fail. You want to be the, the one your children come to when they've made a mistake. You really want to. And if you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you let your children know where you've missed it in the past and how God helped you, when they fail, they know you have your arms open for them. You're not going to push them away and make them feel that they've committed this crime that nobody ever is going to you know, take them back in. You want to be the one your kids come to when they fail. Number five, praise. Praise. How often do you praise your children? And how often do you brag on your children? Even in little things, they draw those little stick, you know, figures on their paper and they come and they say, Daddy, this is you. And you're like, oh. <laughs> or Mommy, this is you. And you're like, oh. Daddy. But you're saying, oh my God. You are a Michelangelo. I said, Daddy, 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 I don't think so. Oh, that's beautiful. My son told you when he was about four or five, he liked Arnold Schwarzenegger. We watched some movies and he would come and he would say, Mommy, 
or daddy, so I want to do muscle. And he would do his little, his little, it was like this, his little, <laughs> his little arm were like this thing, but we would say, look at those muscles, Soju. And he would do it, try and make it. I was like, oh my God, look at you. Arnold Schwarzenegger. He and he, be, he didn't know any different. As long as we were praising him, every, I mean, almost every day we did that in our house for years and years and years. He'll come back from school, Mommy, want me to show you my muscles? Oh, yes, show them. Oh. And we're like, oh, and then when he does it and he goes away, he will look at me and we will laugh. I was like, oh, my God. But he, he thought he was this muscle man going around, you know. That's how you praise them. You show affection to your children. Kiss on them. The teenagers don't want, oh, Omar, Omar, at a certain time, if I want to hug him, he's like a, a stick, like that. And I'm like, let me give you a hug. <clears throat> and then you see that little smile on his face. He's enjoying it. Hug your children. Now when he comes from school at night, they come home around 10 or 11. We're already in bed. They call me sometimes. What wakes me up is my son kissing me on my forehead. The same one that before if I want to he does that. He comes home now and he wakes me up at night with a kiss. Mom, I'm home, you know. Goes to the dad, kisses his daddy, dad, I'm home. That's what you do with your children. Show them affection. Praise them. Don't always criticize them. People criticize them and beat them down. Where it's enough outside. When they come home, let the home be where they are praised. Even if their grades are not good, say, you know what? Don't worry about that. Some of us made C's and B's too. Don't, we'll do whatever we can to help you. Not just criticize and cut them down. Criticize and cut them down. Your child coming home is afraid to come home. Let your home be a place of love. A place of acceptance. A place where they can fail and rise up again. Because if the truth be told, that's what God has done for us. That's what God has done for us. And the last thing is prayer. Prayer. That I left that as the last thing because that's actually the most important thing. If you don't bathe your children in prayer, you can't pass your faith on. All these things are things that if you do, you're going to pass your faith, your godly inheritance to your children, and they will pass it to their children, and they will keep going on and on and on. How often do you pray for your children? How often do your children hear you crying out for them, calling their names before God, asking God to make them be the head and never the tail, asking God to make their peace, give them peace in everything they do, asking God not to let the enemy see them in their way, asking God to cover them with his presence, to give them the wisdom of God. How often do you pray for your children? Do you go to their rooms at night when they are sleeping and you lay your hands on them and just pray over them? They will wake up and try to stay very still, but they are hearing you pray for them. And there's nothing that happens in the child's heart than when he knows daddy and mommy pray for me. My kids know, be it any exam they are doing, and I know I'm going to get a call that morning for me to pray for them on the phone. When they were in school, they are going out. They know they are going to be prayed for. Because if you do that, when they get their own children, it's the same thing they're going to do. And that thing keeps going on and on and on. So that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. People say there's no book, there's no manual. We can do it right. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of the Most High God. We can train our children right and we can make God proud. 
We can take our children before us when we go to God and say, Lord, the first assignment you gave me, I did a good job. Thank you for giving me strength to do it. That's what we need to do, people. Just bow your heads with me this morning. I know there are some people here. This is not a message of conviction. It's not a message to convict you and make you feel bad. It's a message to help you to decide from now on, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this right. God is counting on me to raise my children right. If that's you this morning, you just want God's help with raising your children. We want to pray with you this morning. But first of all, before we even do that, if you don't know Jesus, you don't even have it on. You don't even have it. You don't have the faith to even pass to them. So the first thing is for us to to determine and to examine ourselves and, and to say, do I know Christ? If I die today, would I make it to heaven? With all that's going on in the world right now, nobody knows what's, when Christ is going to come back. It could be this morning. It could be today. If you're here this morning and you say, I want to know Jesus, by the raising up of your hand, let me know so we can pray with you this morning. You don't know Jesus and you want him in your heart, let me see you with your hand up this morning. We are believers in the house. Amen. And for all the parents here, we're going to pray a prayer for every one of us. That God will help us. If we have children, grandchildren, like I said, you don't have to be your natural children. It could be your grandchildren. It could be your nieces or nephews, your godchildren. That God will help you and help you to, help, to, to pass on something in their lives. So that when you pass, they will say, that's what daddy used to do. That's what mommy used to do. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice this morning. Father, you have given us a great and awesome responsibility to raise the next generation for you, Father. Because you said, oh God, that you will have a vehicle on the earth. Father, we pray that our children will be the vehicles that you will use on earth, Father. Father, we pray that you pour your blessing upon our children. The explosion of the anointing, Father, in this end times that will be on children, Father. Let it be on the children of the Ark Fellowship, God. Let it be on the grandchildren of everyone that's under hearing the sound of my voice, God. Let those kids rise up to be strong members of the army of Jesus. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you for the changes that we need to make, that you give us the strength to make them. We thank you for things that need to be done right, that you will help us, Father. You will teach us. You will give us the wisdom. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and the people of God said, Amen and Amen.